You're listening to RE Snapshots. Each fortnight, we chat about the science behind the weeds, tackling herbicide resistance, and bringing you the latest information with experts in the field. Thanks for joining me for another edition of RE Snapshots. This time we're going to be speaking with one of our previous RE researchers, Adam Jalaludin, and he worked on his PhD at RE and did some research into glufosinate. Adam, how are you going? Good, thank you. How are you, Jess? I'm really good. So last week we put out an RE Insight, uh, which was around your paper and the findings. Can you tell us what that paper was and the premise of it initially? Well, basically the paper was about our investigation into the glufosinate-resistant mechanism in our goosegrass population or grassfoot grass. Right. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that a bit later on, but you've got a little bit of a history with Ari. You did do your PhD here in Western Australia, and now you've moved over to Queensland for work. How's it all going? Well, it, it has been going great, actually. Yeah, so basically, I moved over to Queensland, and currently I'm working with the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries. My role is to look into the resistant levels of several kiwi species that is problematic in Queensland, basically. And what do you think about the place itself? Because you're out of Toowoomba, is that right? Yeah? Yep, yep. Oh, well, Toowoomba is lovely. You should come here for a week or two and see it for yourself. It's, it's a nice city, but it has everything that you need. And, you know, if you really want to go out to the city, it's just, Brisbane is just one hour and a half away. Yeah. So it's been good. And it's cooler up here, too. Okay, well, that is good to hear. I, I'm a bit hesitant of a lot of heat myself, so. <laughs> and this is a bit before my time, but apparently you'll give him a Queensland rugby jumper. Are you wearing that, Adam? <laughs> oh, yes, every week. Every week. Go maroon. <laughs> it's, a, it's in high rotation. I'm sure everyone will be happy to hear that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would like to add that whenever I know I'm seeing Steve, I would wear that jumper <laughs> just because I know he's a passionate blues fan. Right, okay, so just, uh, yeah, roughly feathers a bit. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Adam, can you tell us the story of how you came to work on a weed in Malaysia that turned out to be resistant to all three knockdown herbicides, glyphosate, paraquat and glyphosinate? Well, basically, oh, I was doing my master's degree at that time. It was my first foray into weed science and, you know, herbicide resistant. So we went to this oil farm nursery on the, one of the eastern states of the peninsula Malaysia. And, yeah, so we went to that palm oil station and within within that palm oil station there was a palm oil nursery and it was there where I found that particular glyphosinate resistant population that was also resistant to the other two knockdown herbicides, glyphosate and paraquat. And this is crow's foot grass, isn't it? Yes, this is crow's foot grass or Elysian indica and generally people also call it goose grass but in Australia it's more commonly called crow's foot grass. Is that just because it's so close to the feet of crows and geese or? <laughs> oh no, it's just, <laughs> uh, well the shape, the shape of the, the, shape uh, you know, the seed head yeah. sort of resembles the crow's feet. I can kind yeah. of see that. <laughs> so can you tell us about how this population of crow's foot grass became so resistant? 
Oh well, yep, absolutely. Well, initially we we didn't know it was very resistant. It was only after we carried out the herbicide dose response that we found out it was actually very resistant. Now, of course, after that, the next question is how does it became so resistant? Now, the palm oil nursery where we found the population, it has palm oil seedlings and all these seedlings were in poly bags. So basically, the weeds there or the cow's foot grass in that nursery were not competing with the seedlings because the seedlings were in poly bags. And the motivation really of the people there to manage the weeds is, is really more on to keep it clean and tidy, not because of the weeds competing for nutrition or sunlight with the seedlings. Right. So, so the motivation is somewhat different. And basically, when I was there, they were spraying glufosinate uh, at minimum once a month or up to once every two weeks right. throughout the year and when I was there they were already practicing that for a few years mm. so you can you can imagine how or you, it's, it's not hard to imagine how that population became very resistant to herbicides. Yeah, that's not hard to imagine at all. So what do you know about the mechanisms of resistance these weeds have to glyphosate and paraquat? Well, to be honest, we don't know the resistant mechanism to paraquat, but however, we do know what's the resistant mechanism to glyphosate. The mechanism of resistance to glyphosate in this population is basically due to a target site resistant mechanism, which is mutation in the EPSPS gene sequence. Now, EPSPS is the target site for glyphosate, as some you would know. And now, I w- would like to add that this particular mutation is not your normal run-of-the-mill mutation. This, it is actually a very special, I would say, double mutation that we call TIPS because it changed turning to isoleucine and proline to serine in the EPSPS amino acid sequence. And what makes it special is that this same mutation is actually the same mutation that was created in the lab for the first ever glyphosate-resistant commercial corn in, in the United States. Right. Yep, so it was it was mind blowing to be honest because you see something in nature that was actually being created in the lab without prior knowledge of its occurrence. Mm, yeah, that is really interesting. Yep. And glyphosate, it's not a herbicide that we use widely in Australia. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, sure. So glufosinate is a post-emergent herbicide. It is not. It's an. It is a non-selective herbicide, and it works relatively well on both grass and broadleaf species. Now, it is not widely used in Australia, but you can find them being used in cotton systems. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure why it's not widely used in Australia, but I think it might have to do with the fact that it works relatively better in warmer conditions. Okay. So, yeah. And in your most recent paper, you talk about how you went looking for glufosinate resistance mechanism. What did you find? Well, 
to summarize it, we didn't find anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a short story for any of you that have something to go. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, uh, the long story is um, we did a lot of very well planned and very carefully thought of experiments. Uh, we look at the sensitivity of the target site of glufosinate, which is the glutamine synthetase enzyme. And we look at the herbicidal uptake of glufosinate into this um, resistant uh, population and its counterpart, uh, the susceptible population of plants. And then we look at its uh, translocation throughout the plant after being treated with glufosinate. And in, I even spent six months in Germany to look into the metabolism of uh, glufosinate in these plants to see if you know the plants were breaking down the glufosinate but to cut the story short what we found is basically none of it is the resistant mechanism so they are resistant but it's not because of reduced glufosinate uptake by the plants they're not resistant because um, the glufosinate is being metabolized or reduced translocated within the plants and they are not resistant due to the sens- uh, differences in sensitivity of the target site enzyme. So it's a bit of a herbicide, guess who, where you've eliminated quite a few things. Do you have any strong suspicions of what it might be, though? Um, it's, it's hard to say what uh, it's hard to say what it might be. In fact, it's hard to say what the suspicion might be uh, for the resistant mechanism. But um, if you ask me where to put my money is. I wouldn't put it anywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm a scientist. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a scientist. <laughs> we all are. So we don't simply put our money. But anyhow, I would say uh, one thing that we'd like to look into is probably vacuola sequestration. The hypothesis is that, you know, the vacuoles might be taking in the glufosinate and to stop it from causing damage to the plants but it's a long shot and there's a lot of work to do in order to to look into that is there any chance that this research is going to take place in the near future now that i'm in queensland i really cannot answer that but well the population is still there with re so i reckon if you know um, a postdoc or a new phd student comes along uh, it might be a perfect candidate for that person to continue the research it would be very interesting as well put your name in the hat if you're listening (laughs) thank you so much and your your money on it yes and your money invest all your you know your small savings that you've been using to buy your baked beans don't worry about that put it on the research just a caution just a caution I spent four years um, researching the glyphosate resistant mechanism for my PhD and I still came up with nothing mm. so <laughs> you gotta you, you know you gotta think about that too yes be prepared for all outcomes including no outcome <laughs> yeah exactly well we do have an RE insight we've just published last week on this very paper so if you'd like to read in more detail about it you can head over to the RE website but thank you so much Adam and all the best for the future in your position in Queensland no worries thank Thank you so much, Jess, for the opportunity.